Julie, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, and Happy Last Week of 2024. <gasps> happy all of those things! It's the most wonderful time of the year for your doctor friends. It is. The key foundation of your doctor friends is the word friendship. Don't you agree? Oh, yes. Where's this going? I'm about to be heartwarmed. Friendship between you and me, friendship between us and our expert guests, friendship between all of us and our growing community of YDF listeners. Yeah, I agree. I love The warm this. and cuddlies. Yes. Uh... So with friendship in mind, I would like to introduce our final episode of 2024. Julie, drumroll, please. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good drumroll. Thank you. Today, we will talk about the health benefits of friendship and ways we can both give and receive these benefits over the holidays. Dun, oh, dun, dun. I love this. This yeah. is great. When you think of the holidays and connection, I think many times we're drawn to like romance or family type things. So like name some of the most famous Christmas movies that immediately jump into your brain. Home Alone. Okay, family. Next. Die Hard. Uh, that's not either of those. Okay. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I, I know. Yes. There's dedicated, like, Reddit forums I'm, to that. Yeah, We're not going down right. that rabbit but hole. But in all seriousness, so, like, Love Actually. Love. or like um, Romance. Yeah, exactly. Like, every Hallmark Christmas movie. There was one about a girl that fell in love with a ghost. And yeah. then they, like, got together at the end. <laughs> like, the end. Yep. That was... Love. Romance. So, <laughs> I wrote down The Holiday love romance i said even elf has a love story in it like sure. it's um but there's some family in that too christmas vacation mm -hmm. was another one i wrote down family a christmas yep. story family mm -hmm. i just feel like friendship kind of gets lost in the yeah you know like in the story like friendship mm -hmm. is generally not as prioritized it's not that they're not in these movies or not featured over the holidays but i just feel like it's not as highlighted would you agree with me yeah totally i think so sex sells baby yeah but today, we're going to put the yeah. friends in your doctor friends. Oh, this is so lovely. I'm, so, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. So, friend, will you join me in a fun holiday-themed episode as we say goodbye to 2023? I sure will, friend. This seems great. I feel like we need Christmas music in the back of our intro. Let's see if we can make that happen. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Welcome to your doctor friends, the show that teaches you to sniff out the garbage and answers all the questions that you wish you could call or text your doctor friend. My name's Julie Bruni. And I'm Jeremy Allen. And we are two physicians who work at a nationally ranked practice and take care of some of the world's greatest athletes. We know that you have questions and we want to help. We want to be your doctor friends. Hello, friends. One of the more popular article topics that seems to circulate a lot this time of year on an annual basis is the mental anguish of the holidays. Mm -hmm. I want to give a quick disclaimer that I want to acknowledge that these are very important realities for many and by no means want to create an episode today that requires privilege to benefit. Uh, th th this can be a difficult time for many and I'm not trying yeah. to get over that. No. But I also liked the idea of focusing on the positive aspects of the holidays and how actions that are universally available to everyone can improve both our own and others' well-being. So with that said, Julie, what immediately jumps into your mind when you hear the word friendship? Um, First thing that came to mind, don't think about it. Bracelets. I like it. <laughs> Do you have friendship bracelets with your friends? I mean, I did at one point. Yeah, and the concept of that, I guess, is sort of adorable. Of like, I want to make, I want to, I want to engage in a labor to make a thing specifically for my friend, 
So not only am I giving that person something, but also it's something that is a, um, it's like a token of our friendship that then we can like show to the world and we can have matching things and it's like community and togetherness. Yeah. I'm sticking I like that. that bracelets came first. If you had made me predict what I thought you were going to say, <laughs> I would have thought you said bitchy walks first. That was the first oh, yeah. thing I would have thought you said, because that's been a theme on the podcast and that's your friend thing. That's the thing I thought you would have said. Yes. Well, yeah, that too. I mean, and that, well, that's, that's a, that's a pleasurable movement uh, choice. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. So maybe the younger version of me, the 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 action was the making of something for somebody else and then sharing that together. And now the older version of me is the let's do this thing together. And the the gift is the togetherness as opposed to like the the piece of, you know, <laughs> yarn twined together. <laughs> Julie, that's perfect. That is oh. a perfect segue. I want to quote from an excellent article from Julie Fraga of the Washington Post and the article was titled Friends Can Improve Your Health and Well-Being Especially During the Holidays. This is the basis for this episode today. This quote, I love it, friends are proxy families and they may be better than the real ones. Ugh, ain't that the truth. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned that a lot in my almost 40 years on the planet. So... She references in an article from 2017 that was out of Michigan State that cites two studies suggesting that friendships may actually be more influential on our well-being than our familial relationships. Mm -hmm. So in one study of more than 270,000 adults, valuing friendships was related to better functioning, particularly among older adults, whereas valuing uh, familial relationships showed a neutral effect over the same lifespan. So Mm -hmm. more or less, if you said you valued friendships versus people who said they valued familial relationships highest, you had better functioning, as an, especially in older adults. It was better to value friendships in this situation. Interesting. Yeah, I think that makes good sense. It's, it's, fun to, it's fun to hear about research and data that backs up general ideas that we think are kind of true. Where it's like, yeah, that does make sense, but isn't, isn't it nice to sort of be validated that they're like, yeah, and, and now there's some data to back it up. Feels good. Yeah. So the other study looked at over 7,000 older adults who were followed for six years. So this was more of a longitudinal study where they actually followed these people versus surveying them once. Mm. And only strain from friendships, meaning that you're having some strain in your friendships, predicted more chronic illnesses than anything else in the whole study. So having strain in your friendships versus strain in your familial life, more chronic illnesses from strain in friendships. Interesting. Okay. Huh. So, Julie, maybe you can stop worrying about the effect the strain from your family over the holidays is having on your health. (laughs) Because it's less important than the strain in my friendships? Yes. That makes sense. Okay. (laughs) I'm leading us down a pathway here because there's another perspective of looking at this, not only in valuing friendships is good for us, but what happens if we don't have friendships? And we'll certainly get there in in this episode. the American Psychological Association published a cover story article in June of this year titled The Science of Why Friendship Keeps Us Healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought this was an excellent article, both citing things that made sense as a layperson, but also referencing some awesome studies. And I want to reference the first study by Choi et al., which was in the American Journal of Psychiatry in 2020. And it showed people who have friends in close confidence are more satisfied with their lives and less likely to suffer from depression. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if any of that is surprising, but evidence behind it right yeah absolutely I, I again like i'm glad that these things are validated because i feel like we've we've talked about this on 
you know, prior episodes. And yeah, uh, I mean, you mentioned my bitchy walks with Laura. I feel like that was a big part of what our episode with her was was all about too, that connection to other people. And it sounds like either your your chosen family or your biologic family is important. And it's, it's I don't know, it's nice to hear that that's true from scholars and experts as well. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting also to point out that family and romance also don't have to be mutually exclusive of friendship. You can be in a romantic relationship with somebody and also be getting friendship out of it. Yeah, um, absolutely. But a lot of times, as we mentioned before, and even in the intro, sometimes we put more value on the romantic side of things. Like I need to find sure. my everyday person to live the rest of my life with and share romance with and intimacy with, mm-hmm. or vice versa. You know, I need a family to support me and always be there for me. But some of this data is interesting to say that maybe actually those things aren't as important. Doesn't it kind of give you like, maybe not red flags, but at least like beige flags when someone's like, my spouse is my best friend. And in my mind, I'm like, you should get more friends. <laughs> like, like, your spouse is your spouse. <laughs> like, and, and it doesn't mean that you can't have a, a very close and f- like friend-like relationship with them as well as, as them being like your partner. But it's also like, uh... I don't know, man. <laughs> that just seems like we should have a deeper discussion about broadening your horizons, about uh, letting people in. <laughs> yeah, I almost feel like uh, a good, healthy spousal relationship, it's it's implied that that person is probably your best friend, but who's like your real best friend? Like, like I know yeah. that your best, it's, it's like, I know that the best man in your wedding is going to be your brother, but like, who truly is your best man? You know, because like the bro- your brother had to stand there, but who's the person next to that? Yeah, who's the not the default that if you didn't pick them, that grandma wouldn't get mad? Right. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So they reference this also this other study by um, uh, Holt Lundsted. It's one person. That's their last name, um, and it's a really cool study from 2020, mm-hmm. and this showed a few different things. It was a um, meta-analysis of over 308,000 people. Um, but it showed people who have friends and close confidence are also less likely to die from all causes, including heart mm. problems and a range of chronic diseases, whereas people who are low in social connection, secondary to things like isolation, loneliness, mm. or even just having relationships but, but poor quality relationships, yeah. they faced an increased risk of premature death, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's that's valuable to me as a as an oversharer. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who who is trying to get people in my inner circle <laughs> most of the time. So out of this same study, and I feel like this is something that gets said, but people don't often know what they're referencing when they say it. They're like, I've heard this. Um, but this was a study that showed people with no friends or poor quality of friendships were twice as likely to die prematurely and had worse effects on lifespan compared to smoking 20 cigarettes per day. Yeah. So this is that like you'd rather be yeah. a, you know, like a smoker who has friends right. than somebody who doesn't smoke and doesn't have friends or isn't is and lonely. Yeah, and is socially isolated. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Now I know where that comes from. It's isn't not that just crazy? an urban it's legend. Just, it's, yeah. it's one of those stats that I feel like everybody's kind of heard, but yeah. you don't actually know if you're just quoting something that was said on TikTok or if somebody actually did right. the study that showed that. <laughs> and whose study was that? What, Holt, what unpronounceable Holt Lundstad name? Out of, Holt it. Lundstad was in the PLOS Medicine Journal. Okay, I'm sure it's been it. looked at in other studies too. So it's, you know, again, I am not. I don't think either of your doctor friends are saying go out and start smoking cigarettes. Um, um, but <laughs> no. generally smoking cigarettes was a social thing where people got together and talked. Um, I, I think the concept here is, is 
you know, being lonely or being isolated or or vice versa, having friendship is very important for our health and well-being, especially uh, over a time like the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. Here, here. Uh, the, the studies that these people did were so staggering that the American Heart Association published an article in November of 2022 that literally was the whole purpose of this article was to warn the public against the dangers of isolation, particularly oh, for yeah. older adults. So, I mean, you think about the American Heart Association and always putting out things like, we need to take statins or control your blood pressure and, and you know, caffeine intake based on our prior uh, episode. But sure. they, it was all about isolation and, and loneliness. So I, I think the organizations are coming around to the fact that this is a... a uh, part of health. It's a social yeah. determinant of health to a certain extent. And I, I don't know if you're going to get into this specifically, and if so, you can stop me, but it seems like a lot of these studies, and when you're quoting this, it's talking a lot about older people, and I feel like one, older people are more likely to die in general, so there's that. So that being that aside, but older people, I think, just in 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 my mind, are more likely to be socially isolated, mm-hmm. probably for a lot of reasons. One, maybe they've lived long enough that a lot of their friends are dead. One, two, maybe they're physically isolated, like mm-hmm. they have physical limitations that make it harder for them to to move around places. Three, they may be um, three, they may be more lightly. Or excuse me, let me go back. Three, they might be more likely to like not be able to navigate social channels as as easy as younger people can like the internet or like phones or like cell phones or texting or like ways that we keep in contact with each other that seems so easy to you know for me a person of a millennial generation um so i wonder if there's one i just want your take on that and two like is the onus on younger people to like pull in the older folks like should we be being stewards for them to some degree i love where you're going there because one at the end of this episode i have some ideas and i'd love to get your input too on like some tangible things that we can do to to improve both our own you know friendships and also like how we may be able to help other people with this and so you just mentioned maybe younger people making sure that older people um you know have connection and i think that that is maybe one tangible thing but i think historically speaking you know when we talk about the elderly we just you know social connection maybe wasn't highest on the priority list in terms of like what's their health you know a lot of times you know you think about the list of things that you're thinking about for grandma and it's just like well are they socially getting out and enjoying themselves and being with friends just probably wasn't the highest on the list and it probably isn't a huge priority for everyone at that age i think the tendency is it's easier not to just you know stay in i think even when you get to your mid-30s sometimes it's easier just to stay in (laughs) well also yeah also a lot of these folks are probably retired too after a certain age like you're not going to your job five days a week or however times you you know however many days a week you work but yeah like a lot of friends I've made are because we have we're physically at the same place mm-hmm. and so you make connections there and so if that's just taken away from you because you don't have that job anymore that's got to make it even more difficult to have a just natural connection because people are physically closer to you well I think it's the basis for why these retirement communities really exist right so people yeah. when you move into these homes that only can be 55 and over because you have people of like-mindedness who are you know trying to share social connection and i think that's why they've done so yeah. well um yeah. but no i definitely think um older people are more inclined to be lonely yeah, for the reasons isolated. that you listed and so i think a lot of times 
through all these studies, the the statements exist, like being in isolation, being lonely is not good for your health. Having friends mm -hmm. and, and having social connection is good for your health. And then it would always be comma, especially in older adults or particularly yeah. for older adults. Sure. And so okay. the same way you would say, you know, like RSV is very bad, particularly for young kids. Right. Same concept. Like it's not yeah. good to have RSV no matter what. But if you're between the ages of zero three, it's probably worse. Yeah. Um, the, psycholo uh, the Psychology Association, um, at the end of this article, makes this uh, statement to summarize that I wanted to quote. They said, given the clear benefits of friendship, psychologists say we should promote platonic social connection across society, including in school, at work, and in public places, such as on public transportation and through entertainment. And so I wrote, and thus the series Platonic on Apple TV+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Very good one. Very good. Yeah. The word platonic, I just don't feel like comes up all that often, but it's funny because sure. that show just came out and I was like, oh, platonic, platonic, platonic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is the, even the base of that? Should we look it up? Is it about Plato? I actually don't know the, uh, the can I have an origin? <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. Um, that's all the studies I have for the most part. I have some stuff I'd like to finish with, but anything you want to add to the studies while you Google where Plato came from? Yeah, it's just mid-17th century from Platonic with reference to a discussion of love in the Symposium by Plato. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. It has so to it is based Plato. on Plato. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Something he wrote about, apparently, a connection he had with, or, you know, I don't know. Well, if you, learn, if you learn nothing else here, you learn that Platonic came from Plato. Um <laughs> Okay, so maybe those listening, including yourself, Julie, feel like all of this is pretty obvious, and we've even mentioned that even earlier. Like, this is good. This is stuff I feel like I knew, but now I know that there's data behind it. So, yeah. of course, having friends is good and being lonely is bad. So I'd like to transition maybe to a part of uh, this episode in which how can we nurture these relationships around the holidays? What are some things we can actually do? So, Julie, I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, no. What would you do for a friend to tell them you care this holiday season? Um, are you asking me about my love language? No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, I don't know. You ask me big, broad questions that I feel like I have I just want the first thing paralysis. that comes to your brain. You have a friend uh, and you want to show them you care. What are you going to do? I usually text them or, or send them funny little goofy cat pictures or memes or something dumb that made me laugh. I like how you think like that. that there's like a, a right answer to this question. That was wonderful. I've, very I feel like job. I'm going to be judged in perpetuity, always, <laughs> before everything be. comes we, out of my mouth. We started a podcast. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> just kidding. I love it. Sending a text. That's great. It's actually the first thing yeah. that I wrote down. I had some ideas for people. I said, send a personal text, send an email, yeah. or send even a letter, like a handwritten letter. Something that says your friendship means a lot to me. Something that says that I enjoy that we get to share connection and friendship. Nothing else beyond that. Yeah. For, and for, I think it's... It's fun when it happens organically, too. If you're just, like, walking down the street and you see a funny sign, you're like, oh, my God, that made me think of Ashley. And I'll be like, Ashley, look at this dumb sign. When I receive those things from people, it, it hits me in the feels so hard to be like, oh, I, like, I crossed their mind. And maybe it's somebody I haven't talked to in, you know, six months or six years or something. And uh, I don't know. Those really hold a lot of weight for me, those moments. So I do feel like I try to be in the moment and pay attention to that kind of stuff and if I do have that impulse it's like this takes me 30 seconds to do and it might feel really good to somebody else and and that's uh it's a it's a low risk high reward 
you know, uh, uh, choice. Oh, that's perfect. It's absolutely perfect because what you just described there is making you and that other person live longer and have less chronic disease based on the studies. Yeah. That's a moment of friendship. It's a simple moment, but it's a, it's, a, it's a moment of connection, right? You felt connection with that person because you guys share in whatever that was sent. It's something yeah. that's meaningful to both of you in, in some form or fashion. So, and the, the advent of the simple, you know, quick like or love buttons on like an iPhone mm-hmm. or something like that allow you to send something quickly back. And it doesn't have to be right. a long exchange, but it's just a moment of connection. Um, and same with social media. So that's great. Uh, any other ideas you have? Um, just in like day-to-day life. I mean, I, I often try to say things out loud too in person when I'm with people of just like, either more like a, um, a feeling of gratitude. Um, not so much just like a compliment. I mean, it's always fun to be like, your hair looks great today or something, but just to be like, I don't know, like just telling somebody you're thankful for them. I think it's nice to say things out loud in person too. Although sometimes it's difficult. Like when you give me compliments and I want to go run and hide underneath the chair because I don't know how to receive them. (laughs) Are you saying your love language is not compliments? (laughs) I mean, I think it is. I think it's just like verbal utterances of appreciation to some degree words of appreciation is but you can't take them so that's a, that's yeah. an inter- interesting conundrum that we have here yeah it's only it's only it's only external only outward facing i don't remember a love language being anonymous <laughs> words of, uh, of of praise <laughs> that whole book was made up anyway so it doesn't it's matter. true yeah you can <laughs> reference another podcast uh, to tell you why that book was made up but yeah. uh um, so here's some suggestions that I have for people listening because I wanted mm-hmm. some tangibility to this episode. So not only did we maybe put some receipts behind why we know friendship is good for us and maybe should be prioritized more and and certainly a, a, around a holiday time can be prioritized, um, is uh, be inclusive. I said reaching out to ask someone to join you on a walk or while shopping or at a gathering, especially somebody maybe you know that is you know, not as rich with friends or, or somebody mm-hmm. who's maybe higher up on the lonely factor or something you said before so maybe an older person um if you're a younger person and being inclusive can expand your own friendship circle your own connection but in addition to that can really provide for somebody else and so i think that that's a really good opportunity and 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 so being inclusive was my first recommendation yeah i agree and i think that's fun too because i feel like you miss out on a lot of opportunities to hear great stories and to enrich your life when you don't just go out and ask somebody or or I feel like a lot of other podcasts I've listened to recently like around the holidays they're like you know holidays are stressful and if you're going to be at a place with a whole bunch of people and maybe there's some older folks that you don't know or haven't talked to in a while like ask them a question about like I, I don't know their life and growing up or where were they when JFK was shot or something you know what I mean like <laughs> that's that's the second thing I listen to a lot of murder podcasts so like but I'm just saying like people want to share their stories and and it it may be difficult for them to feel comfortable doing so unless it's like you know given given opening lines so that people can share and you can learn from them because otherwise you won't and you'll just be there in the corner eating crudite hey jack where'd you grow up oh that's cool where were you when jfk got shot (laughs) (laughs) i think that that would be a very (laughs) titillating conversation you know and if and if Jack thinks you're weird, then you just you politely excuse yourself and go to the bathroom for the rest of the night. <laughs> so it's an interesting transition because I did say my next recommendation is to go beyond the surface. So yeah. get past the how's work, how's the family, you know, 
interesting weather we got out there today and uh, ask about meaningful memories. Ask about, uh, you, know, you know, growing up, as you mentioned, or, you know, where were you when a famous event happened, like, at, you know, an assassination of a president. Um, I, I wrote ask personal questions. I said, don't yeah. be intrusive, but be specific sure. to that person, right? Most of the time we can ask something that is beyond the standard stuff. And I think the easy thing and the reason we don't like small talk is not the, the specific stuff. Yeah, because it's boring. And yeah, and it's pedantic and I don't know, it's just not very engaging. This whole thing, and this is going to be a total aside. So again, you can cut this if you want to. And every Why do you time always say you can don't. cut this if you want to? Because I've <laughs> never cut anything that you've said. I'm just saying, because I know I'm, because I, maybe it's a, <laughs> I know I'm going to go on like a weird little tangent, but there was an SNL skit called Sticky Bun at one point, and they were trying to train the people at this Sticky Bun place. And uh, it was like their first day on the job. And it was just, uh, um, they were cashiers and they were trying to train them to like, just ask like a nice little question about like, how's your day going? Oh, like... And uh, they didn't know how to do that, so they kept asking, like, really intrusive stuff. <laughs> like, hi, um, are your parents still alive? <laughs> Welcome to Sticky Bun. How old were you when you lost your virginity? <laughs> or they would tell stories themselves and be like, no, 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 okay, well then, why don't you share a story? And it's like, what story about how they, like, found their teacher dead in a car or something? And it's like, no, you're bad at this. Never mind. <laughs> don't, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I... Your doctor friends is recommending the virginity question after the JFK question. Yeah, right. yeah, do the yeah, do the murder one first, and then the sex stuff. That's it's it's fine. It's better that way. It's a recipe for success. Nothing but good <laughs> advice here. That wasn't that big of a rant or tangent. I love it. I'm a physician. Yeah, I have an advanced degree. You do, but you add a lot of color to this podcast. So please, uh, please do not present yourself in black and white. We would like the color version. It's an odd color. It's a very strange color. Today it's red with a white hat and antlers. It is. It you are very antlers you on were, today. Yeah. Very festive. So my next thing I said was plan a gathering. Um, I used yeah. the word, uh, that phrase intentionally. I didn't want to use the word party or anything that put too much pressure on it. You certainly can go as sure. crazy as you want with this. But ultimately what I was saying is, is that people are busy and time is precious and creating a set mm -hmm. time for a group to be together will ultimately allow people to kind of hit a few birds with one stone Mm -hmm. Also remember that the time won't work for everyone. And yeah. don't let the enemy of great be perfect. Don't yeah. let the enemy of perfect be great. There you <laughs> but ultimately, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, if everybody can't be there, it's fine. Yeah. Maybe the next time. But if you give an opportunity for everybody to be in one space, even if for, for an hour or two, you've now created connection in person and at a time where everybody is busy. And I think it's great. Have you done that before? Have you ever had, like, a like a club or like a meeting time or like a, Hey, we're all going to get together for this thing periodically. Yeah. I mean, we, I, I have, we try to have regular dinners with a few friends of mine where we basically like on a, on a semi-regular basis, you're like, okay, let's go, let's set up a dinner and we're all going to yeah. go. Um, you know, I think more locally, the concept would be is just opening the house and being like, Hey, yeah. it's, I mean, even today I got a text message from a neighbor that said, Hey, we're going to, we're having people over. Just come on over. Yeah. You know? I love that. So. Yeah, our block, because we have a cul-de-sac, we, we used to have it more frequently, and we just started up again having um, block parties, uh, which is fun. And then, um, and this reminds me of my oldest sister, Becky, when she was in high school, they had a Seinfeld club. So every, I think it was Thursday nights, they would all get together and watch Seinfeld at somebody's house. This was in like the mid-90s. And I don't know, they have all these photographs and all these 90s kids getting together watching Seinfeld together. And I just thought that was so cool. And I wanted to replicate that, you know, when I went to high school. And 
Um, and I feel like, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, to some degree, I think we had like Game of Thrones nights recently. And um, for a while we were doing like Sunday dinners um, with like uh, a small group of people. Yeah, it's it's so nice. And especially if you do it more than once or twice and there is you get a rhythm to it, totally. then it just feels like something that's it's like building any other habit where you're like, oh, yeah, Sunday dinner. Great. You know, yeah. and some people oh, can make it you. and some t- some weeks you can't. And sure. you just go with it. It's OK. Yeah. It was that Seinfeld Club a club about nothing? <laughs> it's very good it's yeah very good it, I, i'm thinking about the shows that we all got together to watch and the first one that came to mind was uh the oc so that the, there's oh, my funny yeah you got seinfeld and i'm talking about the oc we also you know <laughs> we also when we were in medical school we a bunch of us in medical school would get together and we'd watch entourage um, oh, fun. on hbo yeah. and uh, uh katie my now wife i think were we married at that time we weren't. I think she was still yeah. contemplating because I was in medical school. Because <laughs> um, you were watching so much Entourage. Yeah. And she she, she would make a, like a big dessert for everybody. So there was like Aww. bribery too to come over. So th- that's good memories oh, that's too. That's great. That's great. Look at this. Now we're getting that. like all nostalgic. Uh, I know. This that's is what this is friendship. Kind of this is connection. Friendship. Yes, exactly. It's fantastic. So I don't. I, I have one more. Um, I wrote okay. "Live Far Away" because I know that sometimes people spread out all over the country, and it can be difficult yeah. to kind of do some of the things that we just said in the first few tips. So I suggested try a virtual game night, um, mm-hmm. especially over the pandemic. We uh, did this. We 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 tried Jackbox games, and I'm certainly mm-hmm. not saying they're the only ones you could use, but the game like Quiplash, uh, which was super mm-hmm. fun. It takes okay. away the monotony of a Zoom call, provides a nice icebreaker for conversation, yeah. and, and, and just feels like a good time, lots of laughing, and uh, again, I think there can be a lot of connection with that. So that was another suggestion I had. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I just, that's really smart. I think we're going to do like, a, I have one sibling that doesn't live near us, so she won't be with us in person, so we're going to do like a, a Zoom, like holiday trivia fun thing with like all of the sisters and then the kids and stuff are going to play, so that'll be fun. But yeah, smart. Anything you'd like to add before I wrap up this part of the episode? The old entree, as you like to call it. No, I just, I think this is great. Um, I, I love the, again, the validation and the reminder that how, imp- it is, how important connection is into our life. And it's something that needs to be cultivated just like anything else. And um, it can be easy to, f- to have a f- a bit of a false sense of connection when you're someone like me who just passively sees things that people are doing on Instagram or on social media and being like, oh, fun, oh, look at, you know, Ben from high school has a cool job as a camera operator and Lainey's dog passed away and, like, you're you're there for it and you can comment and you can like or whatever, but um, I feel like that's still pretty surface level and I don't feel I feel like if that was enough for all of us we would all be fulfilled by it and I don't I think it's I don't know not just my opinion that I'm not that's not enough for me it's sort of you know basement where I'd like to build the house a little bit higher up so it is important to invest some time into maintaining these relationships because not only is it just makes you feel good but clearly there's evidence to support that it makes you live longer and to me longer and a more fulfilling life so yeah yeah and to not let friendships which are oftentimes the least prioritized between you know yeah romantic relationships and family to let them wither because they are important so Agreed. i'd like to finish by first saying julie your friendship means the world to me Aww. and apparently is also helping me live longer <laughs> and then i'd like to quote one of the most famous christmas movies of all time it's a wonderful life Okay. When Clarence says, remember, George, no man is a failure who has friends. 
No. That's wonderful. Thank you, Jeremy. We'll I'm going right to go back. cry for a little bit. <laughs> we'll be back. Okay, we're back. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep moving forward on this on this happy gravy train here. All the warm and here. fuzzies. All the warm and fuzzies. Um, I came across a really great article, um, and yeah, I thought that our holiday episode dessert topic would be nice to contain some good news. Um, so I came across an article via Helio and a recent report from the American Association for Cancer Research, or the AACR which is exactly what it sounds like. It's the main organization that does cancer research or aggregates cancer research in, in the United States. That mentioned um, in their report, the big thing was that the age-adjusted overall cancer death rate in the United States fell by 33% between 1991 and 2020. So in the last 30 years, the death rate from cancer has gone down by a third which I thought was pretty amazing news. Ring the success awesome. bell. Woo! I know. Ding, 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 ding. The estimate is that 3.8 million cancer deaths were averted dur- during this 30-year time frame, which I think is unbelievable. And it's some- sometimes it's just great to celebrate a win and then look at why that win happened and then try to continue that moving forward. And that's exactly what this report was doing. So the AACR attributes this decline in cancer death to multiple factors, including the role of immunotherapy in cancer treatment. That was the big thing that Mm -hmm. they talked about, was how amazing immune modulation in cancer is is a huge reason why people, why survivorship has gone up so much. Um, and, And they mentioned other advances in chemotherapeutic agents as well. So of note, breast cancer mortality declined by 43% over the last three decades, with an estimated 460,000 fewer deaths than would have happened. Um, In addition, the decrease in lung cancer mortality accelerated in recent years. So mainly, it was basically saying, that's kind of a confusing way to put it, of like, so the decrease increased. (laughs) So it used to be, it would go down about 1% per year from 1995 to 2005. And now it's been going down 5% Mm. per year decrease from 2014 to 2020. So it's like getting better faster, which is rad. Um, And this was attributed to a decrease in smoking rates, amazing, um, and increased development of immunotherapies, which we talked about. Um, And then perhaps the stats that brought me joy the most is that survivorship for kids with cancer are way, 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 way up. Um, So the report disclosed that patients with cancer that were under 14 years old um, have experienced a 70, 70% decline in overall cancer death rates between 1970 and 2020. Wow. And then adolescent patients from 15 to 19 years old experience a 64% decrease over the same time span. So the past 50 years, um, we have made huge strides in pediatric cancer survivorship, which is unbelievable. And I just think that that's great to 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 clap about and sing about and be happy about. Yeah, I mean, cancer um, is the one word that, like, you say it, and anybody who hears it, it immediately is attached to something. You either know someone or have a moment or whatnot, and therefore cancer is always the uh, evergreen enemy, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's mm-hmm. just always, like, we need to battle cancer. And so to hear that we've made such huge strides, I think many people also would probably anecdotally think about their own lives and think about getting a cancer diagnosis and having so many more treatment options talked about. Um, It's, it's incredible. And it, it also means that, you know, that all that money that we spend on pink stuff every month or that month to, to Komen is actually maybe doing something, which is, which is (laughs) great too. 
Well, it's great that you bring up money because that's, I mean, that's sort of what this report was talking about too, is that we need to keep investing in this because that's how we, how we can continue to do well or do better and keep riding this wave. So, you know, we still have to address persistent challenges in cancer research, including cancer disparities. The big part, big chunk of this report was looking at, yeah, based on, you know, socioeconomic status and race and where you live in the country determines to a large part where your survivorship is, and that's not okay, and we need to keep working on closing those disparities. Um, Slow progress against certain types of cancer is still a problem. Um, And then the physical, psychosocial, and financial hardships faced by cancer Mm. patients, the survivors, and their caregivers. So those are things that the the report we're talking about, like we need to keep, keep working on this. Um, and then the report includes a closing call to action, which outlines step that, steps that Congress and other stakeholders must take to ensure that the U.S. maintains its momentum against cancer for the benefit of all patients. Um, so to highlight the impact of federal funding and support, uh, the NIH funding of cancer research has been critical in the development and approval of 354 of the 356 drugs used for cancer treatment in the U.S. patients in the last decade alone. So basically like 99.99% of of the funding that that created these amazing drugs came from NIH funding uh, in the U.S. just in the last decade. And that's governmental funding. Correct, exactly. So in closing, here's a quote from the president of the American Association of Cancer Research, uh, Dr. Philip Greenberg. Uh, He says, the advances in cancer research, particularly in the last two decades, have been breathtaking. We are in an era of unparalleled opportunity to make even more breakthroughs for patients. For the cancer research community to achieve these breakthroughs, however, our representatives in Congress must continue to prioritize funding for biomedical research from basic research to clinical trials. He continues, through the AACR Cancer Progress Report in 2023, which is the report that I'm talking about right now, we are sharing with the public and policymakers the progress that's been made, how that progress has been delivered to patients, and how it's changed people's lives, and the unparalleled opportunities that now exist from scientific and technologic advances, so they understand how crucial it is that we maintain this momentum through continued support of the NIH and the NCI, which is the National Cancer Institute. So powerful words, and I agree with that wholeheartedly, that it's so great to, to take the win and be excited about it in the moment and then keep looking towards the future and, um, and investing in, um, in research for, for, to save lives. Yeah, I, uh, I am not involved in cancer research. Um, I think the, the movement that we've had towards, you know, especially immunotherapy, which is those targeted drugs really for specific mm-hmm. cancers, is obviously incredible and has changed the world in terms of cancer survivorship. But I've always felt that, and it wasn't even brought up in this report, which kind of scares me a little bit, that we do not put enough time, money, and investment into diagnostics for cancer. Mm -hmm. And I think that many of the tests that we have for cancer are pretty crappy overall. I mean, if you look at breast cancer itself, which is far and away the most funded, like, cancer for research, right? We know breast Mm -hmm. cancer gets a lot of funding and a lot of support. The testing for it hasn't changed in like decades, right? It's still a mammogram and breast MRI is certainly better. And there are certain advances within the mammogram. But most of the time people are still getting a ton of false positives with biopsies that I personally think 
don't need to happen if we were to yeah. put time and energy and money into doing a better job of diagnosing. Prostate yeah. cancer is another one that, frankly, it's one of those ones that gets an abnormal PSA, which is a terrible test, on top mm -hmm. of like, yeah, it felt a little lumpy, and it's not even required to feel a prostate anymore because it's so we're yeah. so inaccurate at doing it. And DRE so you like end up not even part of, yeah. you end up basically going straight to biopsy, and biopsy itself is not benign. I mean, you can end up with mm -hmm. complications from a biopsy, and so, um, and even with the biopsy, they don't even know 100% which ones are going to be slow growing and which ones are going to be fast. Sure. So I've just highlighted two cancers, but you know, my my feeling is is I would love to see more investment into research that are for those things. They're just not as profitable. The drugs are, you know, the drugs make more money. They do. They're, yeah. they're, they, they save lives. I certainly don't want to belittle them in any way, and I don't think immunotherapy research should stop. Um, mm -hmm. But as a physician, I just feel like if we had better tests and knew who needed treatment and who could be watched and what was a false positive and what was false negative, it would be so much better. Yeah. I mean, I think it echoes a lot of the discussions we've had about many different topics here on the pod of early detection, prevention, and um, screening are so vital but so difficult because they're it, it, they're done on a mass level and you have to do risk-benefit analyses and it's just so and it's not yeah it's not sexy <laughs> you know prevention we try to keep keep trying to make prevention sexy and it's just so difficult and I don't know I think you, we can't stop talking about it because it, I think it's the only way to go well, thank you for that dessert. I want to send a huge, warm thank you to all of our listeners for an amazing yes. 2023. This will be our last episode for the year. Mm -hmm. And we will see everybody back in January some for some fresh content, maybe yes. some up and up stuff to how do we start 2024 strong. We, mm -hmm. uh, it's been a great year for us, Julie. I feel like we've had a lot of growth. I hope everybody listening has enjoyed kind of watching us grow um, in terms of both our style and, and the formats that we've gone through. Um, we have been connecting with more of you through social media and, mm -hmm. and with our email address and even occasionally the doc line, although we can't respond back to that. Uh, um, but we do have some upgrades coming, maybe some more ways that we can communicate um, uh, with everybody and and we just would love to hear from, from our listeners and, and, and see if we can continue to make content that you guys find useful. So we really appreciate you being a part of our lives. Julie and I really enjoy doing this. Um, it uh, makes me a better doctor and uh, it gives me more stuff to talk about with my friends when I get together for gatherings where I'm updating more than just the <laughs> surface level topics of how's work going. Not just assassination and when you lost your virginity. Yeah. Once I'm past those <laughs> topics, I can talk about my podcast. Yeah, on your podcast. I echo everything that you just said, Jeremy. I would love to hear from our listeners more, too. I mean, as it stands right now, probably the easiest way would be to email us at yourdoctorfriendspodcast at gmail.com or to direct message us on Instagram or go ahead and comment on, on all the, the dumb reels that I put up there. Feel free. I'll write back to you. It's just me. It's, it's me doing it. Um, but yeah, I, I really, Jeremy, I value your friendship uh, immensely. And I, and I value this opportunity to be able to provide some hopefully helpful information to folks and breaking down some barriers that, you know, doctors don't really have to hide behind all of the firewalls we put in place so that we don't feel vulnerable. It's okay to be vulnerable. And I've learned that a lot throughout the past year, year and a half of doing this with you. So your doctor friends value your friendship 
and we hope everybody has great holidays and a really happy new year. Thanks for listening to your doctor friends. <laughs> the amazing music is credited to Skillcell with Pixabay licensure. The podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast should not be taken as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult a medical professional for any medical issues that you may be having. The contents of this podcast are the opinions of the hosts only and do not reflect the opinions of their employers or affiliations. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Julie Bruni or Dr. Jeremy Allen or any guest to the podcast be responsible for damages arising from use of the podcast. <laughs>